Hi, this is Bible Talk with Jane and Shannon. I'm Jane. And I'm Shannon. And tonight we're talking about civility. Now civility um, is, sounds like a big word, but it just simply means being, getting along with other people and getting along. Oh, that's a good uh, No matter who they are, what they are, just getting along with someone. And I think this is something, I wanted to talk about this tonight just simply because I wanted to, I, th- I see it as a huge problem in our society right now. It's an issue that um, we are biting off our nose despite our face, more or less. We're fighting amongst each other constantly for no gain. There is no gain in this. There's no, there's no benefit to society in general. And yet, um, being... Snarky? Nasty to each other. Is, it's like acceptable. It's not only just acceptable; it's almost expected. People yeah. are people are just everybody wants to pick sides, and and I think we miss the miss the point of what side we really should be on. I was really disappointed. I oh, it was maybe last week sometime. I I went to one of our local grocery stores, and I was just talking to the manager, and I just I don't know if I was thanking her or what I was talking to her about, but of with this pandemic and how things have just gotten kind of crazy and she said I just wish people would be nice and I was like oh I I just didn't expect that not that she said that but that people aren't nice to her or nice to her employees when they're working for them I mean they're working hard I I just don't understand why people have to be nasty I just I don't either and I heard someone say this once I'm not going to take credit for it but I don't know who said it but I remember I heard hearing someone say, I miss 9-12. And what they mean by that was they don't miss 9-11 and the terrorist attacks that this country went through. But what they miss is when the country immediately came together afterwards. And on 9-12, we fell to our knees. Mm. And we loved each other and we held, we held each other. We did come together, didn't we? We did. And prayer was a big part of our life. And we were, we were reaching out in shock. To deal with something that was um, unimaginable for us, and right now in the country, I think we're going through something similar. Mm-hmm. But we haven't done that. Yeah, we, we haven't drawn together. Some people have little pockets, but I think uh, the only news we see on TV at, in our house is the PBS news, and and I suppose it is the same with all the news channels: is that they focus on the negative and where people are fighting, like if, like PBS tends to be a little bit liberal and against uh, President Trump, and whether you like him or not, uh, I think he, along with a lot of other people, are working hard to figure out what to do, what is right for our country. I mean, on both sides, I think there are people who are doing that, but instead of focusing on what people are doing right, it seems that people always want to focus on what people do wrong, or try to find what people do wrong, even in ordinary life. Yeah, I learned a lesson a long time ago when I was in the military. I had a specific leader that was above me that was extremely good at this. And I had other ones that were bad at it. But he always went out of his way to be positive during correction or positive when something needed to be changed. He would be positive first Mm, because if you knew how much he appreciated you, then if he said you needed to change something, you would take that as constructive criticism Mm. and it seems like now um, people don't need any kind of factual basis or 
or any kind of positive outcome from their comments or the way that they treat each other. They just treat each other negatively as a, as a knee-jerk reaction. And, and it's a sad state of affairs when we, when we get to that point where we can just lambast and slander somebody. I, I mean, the Bible is really clear about it. Um, when, uh, let's see here. I'm just going to go to uh, Proverbs 18. Proverbs 18, 19 says, A brother who has been insulted is harder to win back than a walled city. And arguments separate people like the barred gates of a palace. If we're not careful, we're going to cause irreparable damage. We're going to tear each other apart to the point where it's, it's much too hard to heal. And that's a sad state of affairs for this world. And that's kind of where the world is. And the media feeds that fire. You know, I, nothing yeah. nothing draws people people's attention better than a good car wreck. Yeah, and I think, though, that this is a perfect opportunity for believers to be the exact opposite, where we try to, to work with everybody and we shine for Jesus. Uh, it says, um, Psalm 86.15 says, But thou, O Lord, art a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness and truth, I brought that one up because one of the definitions of civility, I like yours really mm-hmm. well, just getting along with everybody, is graciousness. And so I was looking up different verses, and another one says, He who is gracious to a poor man lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his good deed. Proverbs nineteen seventeen. Mm-hmm. So I think if we're gracious to each other, we're first uh, being like God. And also God notices that... C- you know, give a cup of cold water to a little child in Jesus' name. And, and and I think that's I think that's that's one of the things that bothers me the most about this mm-hmm. is that a lot of people with this negative, bitter attitude, whether I don't care whether you're on the right side or the left side of, of any political spectrum, whatever it is, they claim to be loving people. They claim to be Christians. Yeah. And yet they're quick to slam people and, and be nasty about each other. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted and forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. If you're a believer and you truly believe that Jesus died for your sins because God loved you that much and he forgave you more than you could possibly forget, you could possibly earn, how can we not give grace to others in the same way? And it doesn't matter what they think or what their ideas are. That's that's immaterial. Mm-hmm. They are children of God, just like everyone else, and we need to treat each other like that. Right. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't be discerning. Right is right, and wrong is wrong. You know that that is. If there's a biblical tenet that needs to be upheld, then that has to be upheld, and you have to discern that. But on the small things, yeah. we don't need to be fighting over it. I love this verse. It just shows God's graciousness his kindness all the good things toward every single person on before who has lived ever and who's living now and who will live beyond us the lord this is second peter 3 9 the lord is not slow about his promise as some count slowness but is patient toward you not wishing for any to perish but for all to come to repentance and i don't know i don't know if that really i think it kind of relates but Mm. He's shown patience, and I think we've 
forgotten how to show patience to everybody. I, we don't need to agree with people to love them. We don't need to agree with them to get along with them. We can, you know how they say, agree to disagree. We don't, we're never going to make someone come to think like we do by reacting to some post on Facebook. Yeah, and, and that's, I think that's part of our, um, part of our problem right now in this country is there's a, there's a, it's called keyboard cowardice. Oh, I hate that. Yeah. You can say any nasty thing you want from the security of your own keyboard, but you wouldn't say it to someone's face. I think that's a terrible thing that, that is becoming so, so prevalent in our society. And we take things and we put tones on people's voices when they're typing a text that they didn't put in themselves. Yeah. We start to imagine things. We get touchy about things. And as we do all these things, we, we lose sight of what's really important. Um, Luke six thirty five, Jesus said, But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind and ungra- kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Oh, that's good. Kind to the ungrateful. If we want to truly be sons of the, the sons and daughters of Christ, what we need to be doing is forgiving and giving and mm-hmm. not looking at anybody else's motives. Right. Their motives are not important. If you want to talk to someone and have an honest conversation with them, and they're an, one of those angry people that want to yell all the time, I know this from experience. If you're calm... And you maintain your calm. It's like when I'm working on my forge and I, I heat the metal up and I want to keep the metal really hot because if it gets too cool and you're hitting it with a hammer, you're going to damage the metal. It won't, it'll break, it'll deform. So you want to keep it hot all the time. And one of the things you have to be careful of when you're forging is your anvil is a huge piece of iron. Right. And if you put a hot piece of iron on there and you leave it. Does it melt? No. It sucks the heat out of it. Oh. It takes the heat away. It's called a heat sink. Mm. So if I have something hot and I put something next to it, it'll absorb that heat. And then the original object will not be as hot anymore. It's the same way with someone who's arguing. You can be a heat sink for them. Mm. By simply taking on their heat and not giving it back, you will calm them down. So if you want to truly have a reasonable conversation with someone, be a heat sink. Mm. absorb it without taking it personally. And when they have to take a deep breath and realize you're not willing to fight with them, but you are willing to discuss with them, they'll come to your level and they'll discuss with you. It's one of those things. People, There are people out there who like to fight. Right or wrong, they like to fight. Mm. I remember I had a, a college professor once. who He was a lawyer. And he gave us a book of essays. And they were one-page essays, and every page was pro on one side and con on the other. You turn the page pro on one side, and it was all very common topics. And what he wanted us to do in the classroom is he he would say, I want you to read these pages. And then he would pull two people randomly from the class to the front, and he'd say, okay, I want you to be pro, and I want you to be con. Mm. And he intentionally would try and get you to try and be the voice of the side you don't believe in. Oh, okay. So it would be abortion, and he would take someone who was who was very, very pro-life, pro-life uh-huh. and make them do the pro-abortion side of it. And his objective was rhetoric. It wasn't to prove one right. point or the other, right. but it was just a rhetoric thing on, on how to talk. And there are people that like that. Yeah. They can argue either side of any ar- argument, and they love to do that. Don't 
feed into that. Yeah, I've got. That's 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 not where we want to go. So let's not go there with them. Those that that those that talk about the anvil brought something mm-hmm. up. I'm going to bring in Romans 12. I'm going to go up a little more than I was going to read, but mm. it says Romans 12:9 is where I start. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. And then down in 17, it says, Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. This is what came to my mind when you were talking about the anvil. Hmm. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals upon his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now that heap burning coals upon his head sounds pretty scary, but I think what it means is that you're gonna you're gonna make his conscience go, "Hey, what am I doing?" You'll, you know, they it, will condemn themselves if you just stay out. Of yeah, the it's gonna they're gonna right. start. If you're being gracious to them and and civil and kind and and meeting their needs, all their arguments against you are just going to fester in their brain. Go this, why am I being this way? You hope anyway, but I, I want to yeah. take off from there because you you led me right into where I was. Yeah, um, I, re- I read a really good article here on biblical Bible dot org. Excuse me, and it talks about Romans mm-hmm. and in Romans fourteen one. Okay. Uh, Paul says, except the, the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable manners. Mm. And what, what he's talking about there, and, and it's he's different when he speaks in different books of the Bible. He he's, talks different to the Colossians and the Galatians than he does to the Romans. And in the Roman text here, he's talking about people that have a, diff, have a problem with food. Mm. Mm-hmm. The idols and not idols. But it's interesting here. I want to um, bring this up. It says... Uh, James Boyce in Romans, The New Humanity, points out that the subject of how we get along with those who disagree with us on non-essential matters must have been of supreme importance to Paul because he spends the longest part of the application portion of Romans on it. He only spends two verses on developing the Christian mind. He spends six verses on having the right estimate of ourselves and of others in the body of Christ. He spends 13 verses on love and seven on church and state. Three more verses on love, and then four more on godly living, and then he spends thirty-five verses on how we should accept one another, not judge one another on non-essential matters. Mm-hmm. If we're different, it should not be a breaking point. As long as it's not contrary to God's word, there should be there should be no uh, reason for us whatsoever to, as as my principal Russ Budmeyer, lovely man, likes to say, we shouldn't die on a hill. For these, for the little things, don't mm-hmm. sweat the small stuff. Right. Other than God, everything is small stuff. But don't sweat the small stuff. It's not worth getting into a heated argument with someone over small things. And I've seen that in our society today, and I also see that in the church today. There are times when people who both proclaim to be believers of God and love God and be followers of God can't even sit in a room together because they have disagreements over small things. And, I mean, not not all small things are small things, but I remember I've told this story before. Um, a wonderful man that works in the Dakota Baptist Convention, Buck, 
told us a story once about a church that actually split. In other words, the church took two sides and half, half the church quit going to, church, to that church and went and started their own church. And the split in the church was caused about baptism. Not whether or not everybody should be baptized. That was agreed upon because that's in God's word. The difference was whether they should go face first into the water or backwards into the water. And that was enough to break a church in half. Mm-hmm. And how petty is that? How petty is it if, if that's enough for us to break with our brother and sister over small things? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, yeah. I, have, I have friends, good friends, relatives, people that I grew up with, people I went to high school with, um, people that I was in the military with, people that I, I served with in law enforcement or I trained in law enforcement that are on both sides of every political spectrum. They're on absolute both sides. Um, and they will occasionally throw out those flaming darts, yeah. the flaming darts of the enemy, as, as um, Paul talks about the shield to protect yourself from the flaming darts of the enemy. They'll throw grenades out there, and I don't know whether they're doing it for attention or what they're doing, but they throw out these, these hurtful things. And if someone takes it personally, you could separate yourself from that person and not talk to them anymore. And if we are meant to love each other, the last thing we should be doing is throwing grenades. I have in Philippians 2, uh, 3 through 3, 3, 4, something. Okay, Philippians 2. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, Let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Hmm. And then it talks about how Jesus did this. But I just, those two verses, those two verses, everybody, if everybody carried those out, whether you're a believer or not, I mean, those two verses would radically change the whole world. If we looked out, not for our own personal interest, but also for the interests of others. It says, it doesn't say you can't look out for your personal interest. It just says, look out for other people's interests too. And that's that's part of, I think, what's going on in our society in general. I keep, I keep going society and, and believers and back and forth because believers are part of our society. And there's so many, so many times where people are... are hurtful and putting each other down and you know if if you ask any american mm-hmm. what would be the perfect state for america i mean as far as in what condition should america be in that it would be perfect well they would say okay we would be at peace not at war mm-hmm. every side would say that um everybody who wants a job gets one mm-hmm. uh nobody goes home nobody's nobody goes to bed hungry there's no hunger uh, we we can eradicate diseases. We can do these things. I would think if you asked a Democrat or a Republican that question, and, they, and you put those out there and said, "Do you think this is an ideal for us to to reach mm-hmm. for?" They would all say yes. Yeah. And yet now in our society right now, everybody's wanting to blame someone else or point fingers at someone else. Um, the analogy was I thought was was pretty appropriate. Someone brought up. They said everybody wishing that the president fail in the middle of this pandemic is like wishing that the pilot crashes. He's taken the rest of us down with him. So why would you hope that someone fails at something instead of hoping, encouraging someone to succeed? Mm -hmm. Because the, what the end result is what we want. 
Right. If we focus on who we want in office or who we want in a position of, of authority or who we want in, in a leadership position or who we want on our school board or who we want um, in an administrative position, whatever, if we focus on that instead of what the main goal is, that's where we get the disunity. That's where we become uncivil with each other is once we lose the focus of why we're in this relationship in the first place. Yeah. We forget the point that we, the team we're on in a countrywide, the team we're on is American. Right. As believers, the team we're on is Christian. Right. So why would we separate ourselves into subdivisions of that? Because when we do, we lose fact of the, we lose eyes off the fact that we are all on the same team. Mm-hmm. And we truly do want the same thing. Now, how we get there might be a point of discussion, but it should not be a point of, of, of being uncivil to each other. It may be something we need to change, we need to, we need to work on, but we cannot be um, nasty about it because we'll separate ourselves from the true goal of what we want. Uh, Galatians 5.13, I love this one. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Mm. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. We are blessed so much in this time and this age as Americans to be born in this country. Yeah. I am so blessed. I have been, Jane, you and I have been to other countries. Mm-hmm. This is the country I wanted to be born in and I wanted to live in. This is such a privilege to be born I, in America. And, and most Americans know. don't understand the difference compared to going to another world and not another country and finding that you don't have civil rights and they don't care about other people and they don't take care of each other and, and, they, and the civil wars and the nastiness. We haven't experienced that in our lives. Mm-hmm. So for someone to say, you know, that they feel oppressed because they don't like what someone else is thinking is, would be ludicrous to someone in a country where they're going to get killed yeah. for what they believe. And as Christians, I think we're in the same boat. We are so blessed to, to live... In, a, in the time that we are, we have more access to the Word. We have more access to all sorts of the technology that we have today can be a terrible thing, but can also be a wonderful thing because we can read their Bible more. We can read concordances. We can read uh, discussions about things. We can we can take positive things if we want to. If we want to have a positive outlook, we can find it. It's mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. I when you said that about against each other we're all for the same goal i kept thinking of this part in scripture first corinthians 3 it says uh i gave you milk to drink not solid food for you were not able to receive it indeed even now you're not yet able for you're still fleshly for since there's jealousy and strife among you are you not fleshly are you not walking like mere men for when one says i am of paul and another i am of apollos are you not mere men and then he goes on, he's just saying, because they're going in different factions. Well, I did this with Paul, and I did this with Paulo. He says, I planted Apollos water, but God was causing the growth. And it goes on, it says, we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. This all belongs to God. Everything does. I mean, everything, everyone, absolutely everything. And we can work with God or work against God, and we can do God's work. Or we can do the devil's work if you want to come right down to it. We are doing the devil's work when we argue and and uh, in a bad way. We can disagree, but we don't have to argue. You know, I think well, there's a and, difference there. And so there? much of it, I think, a lot of these arguments come to pride. 
Yeah, pride. Pride's bad. You, even if you know you're wrong, you don't want to admit you're wrong. Even if whatever side of whatever argument you're on is not is not perfect, you don't want to admit that. Again, you want to be the heat sink? Say, you know what? I know I'm not perfect. Mm-hmm. I know I don't know everything. But here's what I believe personally. And this is why I believe it. And if you put that out there to someone and they still can't have a civil discussion with you, they may be someone you shouldn't just love them from a distance and don't have that civil discussion with you. First um, Peter 3.9 says, Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because mm-hmm. to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. That's right. I've heard. We're called to be a blessing to other people. Mm-hmm. That's what that says. That is what it says. We are called to be a blessing. We are we are meant to repay evil with a blessing. Mm-hmm. So, here's my challenge then. As Christians in this time and place in history, where we are right now, where we are, where we are standing in the midst of this uh, coronavirus outbreak and quarantines and shutdowns and unemployment and suffering and pain and the things that we're going through in this country right now. Um, the world. In the world in yeah. general. I think as Christians, we need, to, we need to make a concerted effort. We need to make it our mission to reunite people. Mm. We need to make it our mission to pull things together. Um, we're in a situation now where we are uh, isolated from each other, mm-hmm. which really makes this keyboard cowardice easy. Oh, yeah. Because you don't have to face anyone. You can mm-hmm. just stand out there. It'd be a lot harder to say some of the things people want to say on Facebook or on Instagram or Twitter Whatever. or whatever they're on if they were standing in front of somebody saying that because they might get a physical reaction they don't like. So they'll, they'll snipe it in from the side. And the problem with that, of course, is that there's no honesty in that. Yeah. If you look someone in the eye, you're going to have to be honest with yourself mm-hmm. and with them. And I think as Christians, we need to be mirrors for that. We need to be the mirrors uh, that shine God's light on things. We are not, we're not the end all. God is. But we can be the mirrors and the reflection of that. And what I would love to see come out of this situation where people are isolated more, first of all, you're home with your family. Mm-hmm. I hope your family's getting closer. I hope you're getting to know each other better. I hope spending this time together is a benefit for your family and you are growing as a family because of it. Secondly, I hope that you are spending more time with God because the distractions are gone and you can focus on God. You can run and hide from Him if you want to. That's possible. It is possible for you to run and hide. But this is a perfect time not mm-hmm. to. Yeah. And third, this is also an excellent time. The world needs Christians more than ever to go out, step forward in faith, step forward in love, and be examples of what Christ wants us to be. You know, okay, three things. First, first, don't put anything on social media that you wouldn't say to someone in person. Mm. I just think that is a, a rule. Mm. But I, I can hear some people disagreeing, saying, yeah, but we're social distancing. How can I do any of that? You know what? Call people on the phone. Use the phone, and also, you know what? Resurrect letter writing. People love to get letters. Isn't that true? It's amazing what getting an envelope in the mailbox that's not a bill does to you. When you see a letter from someone, um, 
Jane is a very faithful letter writer. I am horrible at it. But she's a very faithful letter writer. And it's such a neat thing to get a letter from someone. We are really blessed with, um, I think there's two different groups in Missouri. I think it's Missouri, isn't it? No, it's just one. One in Missouri. Mm -hmm. There was one before, but one now. Um, A group of women that pray for our church individually. And not only do they pray for us individually, but they'll send us a card. And they'll say, hey, we've been praying for you. Mm-hmm. That's a powerful, powerful, powerful encourager to us, just simply to know that someone's thinking of us. Someone that we may—we've never met them. We have no idea who they are. We do, we've never been to their church. They've never been to our church. But simply the fact that they have chosen to say, "You know, we're praying for you," has a powerful effect on us, and we can, in the same way, have a powerful effect on others. And you don't have to write a lot. If you write a letter, you could just send a little card or. Send uh, a three by five card in the mail in an envelope. I mean, you could just say, "Hey, I was thinking about you today. I love you," or, or whatever. Um, our oldest son, our Ryan, he sent me a card, and I still I have it in my dresser. Uh, he hadn't sent me a, a Mother's Day card, and uh, he just sent a card out of the blue, and he just said one one sentence on it. But it's touched my heart. I haven't. I've kept that card because it was just so sweet. He actually, I mean, he's he's in his twenties, but he uh, addressed it to mom, and then our post office box, <laughs> and and our lovely, lovely postal lady put it in our mailbox. So I got it. But it meant a lot. And I, so you know, I, maybe you haven't written a, maybe you've never written a letter. Some people never have. It's okay. You can do it now, and um. So, Letters sometimes are kept for years, decades. and But calls, if you do not have a letter writer, then make a phone call. Yeah, it, it bothers me right now as a pastor that I'm not having everybody gather together in our church. That bothers me a lot. Um, it's, it's a real challenge for me to do sermons on Sunday, uh, to do them online, being videotaped. I, I don't like to look at myself. I guess it's easier in a church where I don't see myself. But I miss... People coming in the door and watching everybody in my congregation go out of their way to hug each other, to love each other, to tell each other how much they care about them, to ask how they're doing and really want to get an answer. People really do that in my church, and I miss that contact. I I try and call people, and I, I called some today and got just some lovely responses from people. Just And they all said, yeah, I miss church. I miss you guys. I miss seeing... But, just that contact, that little bit of contact, makes such a huge difference. And I know a lot of times right now we think about people that are, oh, that are considered to be the fragile ones or the ones most susceptible, um, and you know the elderly and and people that have health illness or problems, pre-existing conditions, things like that. And yes, we need to really reach out to them. But there are also a lot of other people who mentally might be struggling emotionally might be struggling. Their relationships with their loved ones when they're put into this environment, they might be really struggling. And they might just be waiting for someone to say, hey, I was thinking about you. How are you feeling? Yeah. Not, not, are you sick? How are you feeling? Yeah. How are you doing? You know, I think if, if, if God brings someone to your mind, there's a reason. Maybe you should just give them a call. And it doesn't have to be long. You know, it could be just a couple minutes, but it, it makes a difference. And I'll add one little thing to that, one little thing that I think is a big benefit. Mm-hmm. 
when you call them, if you say, how you doing, they'll say, fine. That's Jane's answer. That's my answer automatically. But if you say, you know what, this has really been a challenge. This is a challenge for us too. And, and I know sometimes we feel a little bit uh, claustrophobic. We're getting a little bit of cabin fever here. We're kind of getting, it's a strange thing. How do you guys feel about it? Mm-hmm. Because nobody will say fine. Right. Don't ask them a, a fine or not fine question. Ask them, ask them how they feel. Say, you know what, I love you guys so much and I miss you so much. I really want to know how you're feeling. If they're really wanting to talk to somebody, that just opened a door mm-hmm. and gave them permission to say, I don't like this. I don't feel good. I'm scared. I feel alone. I feel isolated. If that's coming, if someone needs to say that, we need to be out there listening. And this might sound crazy to some people, but if you're on the phone with someone, before you leave the conversation, you can say, hey, can I pray for you right now? You can you can pray for someone over the phone. I do it a lot, and and um, you know some people might say no, but I, most people will say sure, you know. And and it might feel awkward if you've never done it, but after you've done it a few times, the awkwardness goes away. So yeah, and I always try and imagine if I'm praying for somebody on the phone. You know, if you if you ask somebody face to face and they said yes, I'd like you to pray for me, how would you do it? I would automatically put my hand on their shoulder or my hand around their shoulder and I'd just bow my head and I would talk to God as if the two of us are standing there right with God at that moment and I'm going to just talk to God. And on the phone, if I'm going to pray for someone, I always think the same thing. Mm. I just think right now I'm reaching my arm out around you and this is what I'm going to say to God and I say it. I don't tell them this is what I'm going to say to God, but I just I picture myself putting my arm around my brother or sister and saying, Lord, I'm here for my brother and sister, and this is why I'm here. And just pour out your heart to God. And the people that are that may be in a situation where they're they're afraid or uncomfortable or scared or worried or anxious, you'll you'll hear them on the other end of the phone take a deep breath mm-hmm. and just say, oh. maybe they didn't feel like they should pray for themselves. Maybe they didn't know how to how to put it into words. You don't have to be good at it. You just got to do it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where we can touch our world, and that's where we as Christians can really shine here. I would love to see a revival come out of this, that people would turn to God and they would focus on God and they would be so grateful for what they have instead of what they don't have. But to do that, somebody has to lead the, lead the, the charge, and I think that needs to be us. Mm. So be civil. Yeah. Be kind. Be loving. Uh, Colossians 3.8 says, But now you must put away, put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Put all those things out. And remember that, that Jesus said, The two greatest commandments, one, love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And folks, we're all neighbors. Yeah. We need to love each other. Yeah. That was good. Thanks for listening. Yeah. God bless.